Hey everyone, welcome back to the Longevity Muscle Podcast. I'm Kenny, your host, and today we have a very special guest joining us, someone who I've been excited to speak with and to have on the podcast, Joel Kellett. Joel is an Australian bodybuilder who has trained consistently for over 10 years. He was spotted by Nick Strength and Power in 2019 due to the fact that he has a physique that emulates the legendary Arnold Schwarzenegger. The difference is that Joel built his physique via all-natural bodybuilding. We get into some great topics, contest history, nutrition, training. So without further ado, we're going to get right into the episode. Enjoy. I like the the old school stash you got. <laughs> yeah, it was a beard, but uh, it was looking a little bit homeless. I completely understand. Sometimes I'm heading in that direction. So no, uh, I, I, it's nice and thick. Yeah, it's fresh right now, but after like two, three weeks, it's getting to that point where I either have to take it all down. I haven't actually done the stash though. That's next. Yeah, you definitely could. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that, that's that's old school, man. They used to rock those back in the seventies. Those bodybuilders, right? Uh, Mentzer and all these guys had the stash. Yeah, the mustaches are very popular again, especially here in Australia. It's like every man and his dog has a mustache, so uh, I'll probably get rid of it very soon. Right, right, right. I thought for a second, I'm like, hold on, it's not November, is it? And then, uh, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) All right, cool, cool. So, um, yeah, first off, thanks for taking the time to come on. I have been following uh, your journey to some extent on, you know, from Artemis and the physical culture contests that you did. uh, Yeah, those camps. Uh, And then I spoke with Pete uh, Hartwig, who, Yeah. yeah, you guys have spent some time together. I think it was... I don't know if it was Australia or did you guys spend some time together out in California as well? No, just Australia. So he he went to a like one of those same camps, but that was like maybe half a year to a year before I did. I was virtually like unknown. I had like 300 followers maybe at the time that, um, yeah, Pete would have gone to uh, that same camp. But, yeah, like I said, it was maybe, maybe it was a year before. And then I... I don't know. I can't remember. At some point, got in touch with Pete, and um, he came here to visit me at, at, at where I live in in Sydney. And then um, we've met up a few times since. Oh, cool! So, was that? Uh, did you guys meet up specifically just for training, or was it more so you guys, I guess, connected online? Because I know Nick Strength and Power did a shout out, and that's kind of how you took the internet by storm, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, that's um, right. Yeah. Right. And he did the golden era contest that Nick strength and power used to hold. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely had seen Pete Hartwig like online um, mm-hmm. on Instagram or something I'd seen him before. And then, um, yes, I saw that he had like followed me and then sent me a message and so that we should connect or it went something like that. This was a while ago now, like before COVID um, I think we first met and yeah, I can't, I can't remember we didn't like film anything. We didn't really take any photos or anything. We just met up and trained a couple of times and yeah, it was, um, I don't know, just very, um, casual, you know, for sure. For sure. So what inspired you to head out to California to connect with Artemis? How did that whole thing? Cause that's initially how I found out about you. That was, that was, Yeah. yeah, that was the first place I saw you. So, uh yeah i'm more so curious that's kind of maybe there's a story that feels like years ago yeah it feels like a long time ago but that was uh, artemis reaching out to me uh inviting me to the the camp he wanted me to come and be a part of it 
And um, yeah, he was very giving. I know there's like, you know, there's a lot to be said about him, but I think he, he was a very like, uh, yeah, very giving person. He, he gave me like a, a good sort of portion of the following I have today. He was really happy and sort of eager to promote me. He really believed in me and uh, what I sort of stood for and that I wanted to do, well, not just bodybuilding, but everything as naturally as possible. And he liked that, even though he was someone that, you know, got into sort of the worst and maybe the most sort of toxic um, environment, like within the fitness industry, he still understood that that like wasn't the path for like young guys to take and, you know, supported my message. Oh, that's great. And for you specifically, what was it that intrigued you to stay natural, like to do the natural bodybuilding thing? Because of course, you have the naysayers online that are constantly accusing you of not being natural. But for anybody who's in natural bodybuilding can clearly see that you are. So I'm more so curious why natural bodybuilding specifically, especially since, and that's no, it's no secret that you have a physique that emulates Arnold Schwarzenegger. So it could be easily uh, taken that maybe you would have gone down that path. But maybe there's a story there as well that you want to share. Yeah, I think um, I always find that funny that, you know, you'll have a handful of people that, uh, you know, they say like, oh, he's, there's no doubt he's natural. He's not that big. He looks like, you know, half the size Arnold was, which was probably true. Like if you look at his measurements and compare them to mine, I'm like, if Arnold was a plum, I'd be the prune. You know, it's like it's it's night and day. He would have been a lot bigger than me. But so it's funny to me that I have people that uh, like if I look at a, um, a recent post Nick Strength and Power did on me, probably only about six months ago, maybe even less, he put something else up um, comparing me to Arnold again. And there's a lot of a lot of comments were positive, but a lot of them are a lot of them are comparing me to Arnold and saying like this guy can't be natural, like he he looks like Arnold. But then the other half of the people saying like yeah, definitely natural looks like half the size of Arnold. So it's funny to me that there's no consistency with that. But anyway, in regard to your question, um, yeah, I wanted to like, I, I just loved the look of like the, it was more so like actors of like the 70s and 80s, like um, Arnold, of course, but then there was guys like, uh, who am I thinking of? Like even like Lou Ferrigno. Um, Geez, I'm having a real mind blank. Uh, what's his name? Um, You've got Steve Reeves. The, oh, Steve Reeves. But in all the the uh, Sylvester Stallone, like I saw oh. his physical progression, even though I found out years later that he took steroids. Uh, at the time, like I was just young and naive and giving everyone the benefit of the doubt. But I think that's that's part of the reason I did so well as a natural is because I wasn't willing to, um, you know, it basically was I, I didn't want to assign someone like guilty until proven innocent. It was the other way around. Like unless I heard it from them or I'd seen an interview where they said, yes, they took steroids or whatever it may be, uh, I was willing to just give everyone the benefit of the doubt. And, yeah, and, I and you know, back then too, like I really didn't have much internet access or anything. I just wanted to achieve the best physique I could with – as little as possible 
you know, so I was training from home most days when I started and made most of my progress there at home. And, uh, yeah, I didn't, didn't take and still don't take, like there was a period of time where I did take a lot of supplements and sort of like regret it just because of the amount of money I spent on that. But like when I started, I didn't take any just because I didn't have the money to, uh, a lot of the time it was like, it was definitely just that, that I just wanted to, to try and achieve something great, uh, with as little as possible. And also just because like, I didn't have much money, you know, so there was, there was no way I was going to invest in, you know, supplements and steroids and things. If like I could barely pay rent, you know, right. so yeah, it, yeah. it just wasn't even, it wasn't even a consideration. And I just saw over time year after year, I saw like, I would look back on the previous year and I saw progression and I would take measurements and yeah, I was very adamant about like, once I saw good progress, I thought, Oh, I could, I could keep going with this. And I, I didn't think, it would amount to this, you know, but I did think something good could come of it. Even when I started, you know, posting my physique, when I had like three, 400 followers, um, like on film, uh, using a film camera, that was the whole idea is like, I, I, I liked the physique I'd created and then I wanted to put it in the best possible light. And then, yeah, I just remember being at work one day I was working in a gym at the time and like my phone was sort of going crazy because I had notifications on at the time. And I couldn't figure it out. And um, then I found out, you know, Nick Strength and Power had made that video. So I'm glad that I stayed natural and made something of it, you know, without having to spend all that money, without having to jeopardize my health. And then that's why now I want to promote that um, because I want like younger guys, like guys that are, I know guys that are 16, 17 that are dabbling in steroids at that age. And to me, that's wild. First off, I just want to say, because maybe, and I don't hope it didn't get taken in the wrong way, but physique-wise, incredible, inspiring, proportion, symmetry, all that. And uh, so when I said that clearly natural, I think what I was trying to get across was that if you're truly within the natural bodybuilding world and you've seen physiques that have been created naturally, you can tell you have more of a radar for what's enhanced, what truly looks enhanced and what doesn't. So that's kind of what I was trying to say, uh, just in case it came across different no, to the listeners. Yeah. yeah. Um, not, not at all. Yeah. Because usually I think, I think I, I look at my physique and think, yeah, I definitely look natural. There's other natural guys that look a lot better than me that have a lot more genetic potential than me. And well, you know, maybe better is not the right word, but that's subjective. That might be how you feel right about the sure. situation. But I think it's more so to potentially do with uh, how lean some of the bodybuilders are getting due to the contest they're preparing for. So if you have like these prestigious natural bodybuilding events that have been going on since I want to say the 90s, like uh, the Yorton Cup. I don't know if you're how familiar you are with some of these contests uh, or WMBF Worlds or the Natural Olympia. And depending on how stringent the drug testing is, some of these guys are getting ridiculously shredded. But the way you mm -hmm. stay and how 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 you keep your physique, which is more lean all year long, and this is an interesting topic I want to get into. To me, I from a you know a subjective standpoint, I prefer that look. Like that's that's what I think Artemis was trying to create with the physical culture contest, if I'm not mistaken. Was not yeah. where but instead of getting this ridiculously shredded physique where the bodybuilders are starting to look, yeah, it's it's entering territory where 
okay, that's where the sport evolved to. But if we go back to, again, the era of like Steve Reeves and then maybe a bit ahead of that, they weren't getting that lean. But the physiques looked so great. It looked healthy, you know? Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. That It looked healthy. Uh, as Bob Paris once said, you know, you could walk down the street and not offend people with the way that you looked, you know? And I kind of like that, that you look good in clothing, in any attire. Um, yeah, and it, it, it is essentially that, that you, it's not like offensive to the eye. Right, right. So you did a contest recently. You actually updated your More Than Muscle YouTube channel, which was a shock for everybody who follows that channel. Cause, <laughs> yeah, because there's times where not you know, it's silent. Yeah, so yeah. when I saw that, I was like, oh, snap. And you competed and... It's interesting because you won that contest, correct? Yeah, that's from what I saw. Yeah, yeah. Congrats on that. And but my question is, do you have any aspirations to go further into the contest realm? Or what was the drive behind that specific contest? Because obviously, if you're going deep into the natural bodybuilding competitive scene, they're getting ridiculously lean. And is that something that you see yourself ever doing at any point? Yeah, it is something I see myself doing. Definitely probably this year i said definitely probably um i would say definitely this year i want to pursue that like a lower body fat percentage that was i think that last competition was the best shape i've got myself in in terms of i think i did well to sort of like maintain fullness and and get a little bit leaner than i ever have before i've competed before years ago and never posted about it that's because back then i i didn't have a following and i didn't really care for social media, but uh, from memory, I didn't get very lean. Like I was, I was uh, a bit delusional, you know. Like I thought, I thought I looked phenomenal. Like I thought I, I did look like Arnold, you know. And then I saw photos afterwards, like eh, maybe not. You know? <laughs> like so, I knew there was a lot of work to be done, but um, hence why I never posted that stuff. But the comps I did just last year that I posted about recently. Um, I, I definitely did put a lot more effort into those and but I was still put off you know getting any leaner than that because I do get fearful about losing size and and I sort of want to maintain that the same look I don't ever want to end up looking how I think some of the natural competitors look which is to me resembles that of like a prisoner of war or something they just look absolutely malnourished and stringy and yeah on the verge of collapse so uh i did what i think i could just to win but if i was to compete again i would definitely want to push push that limit a little bit more okay okay so right now for to get some perspective and maybe the listeners are curious but do you the the condition that you keep yourself in is that typically where you stay all year long not the contest that you did but Maybe some from some of the photos that you've recently put up on the beach and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Um, like the most, the most recent, uh, I've put up a photo and uh, a reel, which was like within the last month. I I typically stay around that level of body fat year round. It doesn't fluctuate that much, and if it does go up a little bit, then I sort of try and bring it down a bit. You know, I don't, I don't want to. I always want to sort of be within striking range of, you know, being able to get, um, you know, bodybuilding photos or, 
yet or to compete like not i don't like to be too far out you know to where i have to spend 20 plus weeks losing body fat at an appropriate rate you know because otherwise you yeah i just don't think either end of that spectrum is healthy just being super shredded year-round or like carrying too much body fat i don't think it's healthy and i've i've read well the more i've read over the years the more i've come to realize it's it seems to be easier to gain lean muscle tissue when you're not carrying too much body fat so i I try not to find myself in that state and i i I think based on experience i believe that as well call it anecdotal but um i do think that when i have had more body fat and then i've lost it it's not like i gained any more muscle in comparison to when i've had less body fat and trained and ate the exact same way just kept my body fat in check uh, it was definitely gaining lean muscle tissue without having to jeopardize my body fat percentage that's interesting because you're not the first person that has said that too and i would love to read more about that too so if you have anything that maybe you think i'd find interesting on that i would appreciate it if you send that over because i would love to read more about that as well and how far would you say you stay away from stage? So let's say the recent contest you did, were you in terms of striking distance, 10 pounds away from that level of condition or was it closer? Um, oh, well, probably more if we're talking about pounds, probably uh, maybe a little bit more, maybe like, yeah, within sort of 10, 10 to 15 pounds, I'd say. So I think in kilos, I was like, I'm usually around 92, 93, and I think I actually got down to about 80. I might have been like 88 on stage. So it's not a, it's not a massive loss by any means. No. Um, that's but, really that's really close because a lot of the natural competitors, yeah. will they will climb up to 20, 30 plus pounds over stage weight, right? Yeah. That's not, yeah. That's not uncommon within this kind of even – maybe even in, within the enhanced realm. I'm not sure. It's not really, I'm not focusing yeah. too much on that, but from who I've spoken no, I to. The same case. I think it's yeah. the same case. I think even it, it could even be more with enhanced uh, bodybuilders because I think there's a lot more water weight as well. They seem to retain a lot more water, but um, it is like, there's people I know now that are around the hundred kilogram mark and they'll, they'll get down to, you know, 70, 78 kilos when they compete. Like it's a massive, loss of weight and that i don't think is healthy at all right right so what's your take on so let's say you're trying to build muscle like you're in a period where you don't have any shows coming up per se how do you put yourself in a like are you trying to be in a caloric surplus to gain like how meticulous are you with tracking your food in order to try to gain is it as simple as just sprinkling in a little extra here and there how do you like to go about it for muscle growth yeah i'm not that meticulous when it comes to counting anything i don't count you know i don't track my macros i don't count calories but what i do is eat you know a few select whole foods like whether it be eggs steak i don't eat much chicken sometimes turkey like turkey mince then a few select um vegetables and and fruit is sort of an important part of the the diet as well. Like I'll always have that post-workout. Um, but 
Yeah, it's a matter of sort of like, so it, it would be like, yeah, I'd be taking in more calories, but it's also like the, the training will change a little bit. Uh, leading into a competition, the intensity obviously over the weeks will increase. I try not to play all my cards at once. So by that, I mean, like, you know, you have, you know, calorie restriction, cardio, uh, you're increasing training intensity, whatever it might be. I, I try and, uh, I try and increase the intensity in sort of small ways over the, the course of say, you know, 12 to 15 weeks before the competition. Um, whereas when I'm just like now I'm trying to gain, I'm trying to see if it's possible to gain more muscle naturally. Um, I'm not training. It's not that I'm not training as intensely. I'm training very intensely, but, um, I'm not focused so much on just, uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not focused on shortening the rest periods or doing as many drop sets or things like that, or supersets. I'm, I am actually trying now and, and just to, to test the theory to see if this works for me to increase the the weight a little bit maybe drop the rep ranges a little um but again keep, still keep it very intense and then uh, it's it's really simple things like if i had before for breakfast like when i was in my peak condition i was having maybe like four four eggs wilted spinach and some onion or something for breakfast i'll just increase that to sort of like five or six eggs and then the next meal you know or like that sort of pre and post workout meal, I'll just have more sweet potato than I did previously. It's just little things like that so that I don't actually have to be that meticulous about counting every calorie and tracking everything, you know, um, tracking everything like that. It's uh, just a more simplistic way of approaching it. And it tends to, well, it has worked for me, so I'll continue doing it that way. Yeah, no, that makes complete sense. You're basically tracking without tracking. In yeah, a sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just so, that over time, and it's this is actually what I encourage other people to do as well, because even particular foods are going to have a different physiological effect on you know between person to person. So I try and encourage everyone to learn their body and without you know getting so caught up, especially in calories, because I mean, um, maybe you're aware, but a lot of people aren't that if you're you've set yourself out a particular number of calories per day. And that, you know, you have this allowance. People tend to waver from what is going to benefit their body's best. Like, you know, if we're talking about um, like anti-inflammatory properties in pineapple or like root vegetables providing, you know, um, providing, uh, what is it called? Um, there's a, you know, there's a uh, mineral within like those root vegetables that can help sort of increase natural testosterone things like that if you're just if you're just ignorant to all that and you're just basing your diet um, around how many calories you can have per day i can guarantee you the result even say if it was three thousand calories per day of like eating whatever you wanted versus three thousand calories but you're you're more focused on the micronutrient value of all the foods you're taking in you will see a better result if you focus more on what you're eating rather than just like this total calorie, you know, uh, caloric amount. Right, right. No, no, absolutely. I think it's very common, especially for people who just get into the whole tracking their macros and trying to hit specific numbers. They do tend to lose. They think that, oh, now I can fit in all this fun food, the junk. Yeah. Well, and that's what they consider fun, right? Uh, versus sticking to whole foods, which like you mentioned, is going to help fuel training 
in a positive way, right? Um, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely understandable. And so if I if we go to your diet specifically, are you ever I hate to throw in absolutes, but in terms of treats and you know, high sugar, high processed foods, are you ever consuming any of these things considering how you look? I would be curious, uh, given the situation, or is it on occasion? How do you like to do that? Yeah, it's it's definitely like on a on a rare occasion, you know. Um, there's times in which like uh, I haven't prepared well enough to, you know, say if I'm I'm going out or something like that, or it's a family function or special occasion, then I won't care so much. But uh, I still make a conscious effort to like avoid those like um, hyper marketed, you know um moralist companies i just i just hate the idea of like supporting companies that it's the kind of products like the food like imitation products where it's it's essentially like a board of people have decided on something that's going to be you know hyper insatiable um you know hyper profitable and serving pretty much nothing for the person consuming it like that kind of stuff like skittles for example or there's anything like anything packaged like so if i do have something it might be pizza or, or burgers or something but it's going to be either homemade or it's going to be like made from i'll go to like there's a couple of local you know um uh local restaurants here where like they make that stuff fresh so at least i'm getting sort of the best version of that possible but yeah it's 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 not like i'm nice. you know immune to the the culture uh, and I, I do eat pretty well year round, but like everyone, like everyone has their vices and food for me is definitely like one of those things. Like I just love food, but yeah, I'll still make, I'll still make conscious choices. That, so it's not just like absolute crap. Like it's not, it's at least serving me some, um, you know, nutritional value. Right, right. Well, I did see that video you brock in Artemis did with the uh, where you destroyed the sh- was it Shake Shack you guys went to and he crushed like I don't know how many fries and burgers you guys did. Was that I think that was after an event though. Uh, so it was like a social thing, right? Yeah, yeah. That was the end of that the second trip that I did with Artemis. And um there really <laughs> really wasn't that much food consumed. I think we had ate just shortly before then, like we were starving. I think we ended up having some some steak and cream of rice or something in the RV and then but the idea was to make this video Artemis wanted to make the video and I think I had like one burger and I was oh. like I was feeling sick just by oh, then wow. so I think it was an illusion you know, that we ate that much but it wasn't that much that that's uh it's interesting the vlogs and what people put out you can't always think what you see is what it is right so it's uh yeah, it's interesting how that works yeah for sure yeah, um yeah. So do you typically like to consume higher fats or higher carbs or relatively speaking, of course, like are your fats a bit higher mm. than your carbs or is it vice versa? I know some people from a preference standpoint, how they look too. like, for example, if my fats are higher than my carbs, even if the calories are somewhat around the same, I look worse. Like I've tested yeah, right. it even yeah. to like the gram I've tested it and I've run the experiment for long periods, which is fascinating to me. So I'm curious about yourself. If you've, you know, had both, ends of testing things and what that's like for you yeah i have tried both over the years and that's another thing that that's why i say you know um, learn your body like if you look at someone like jay cutler 
I mean, this is just based on what he's said, but I've seen videos uh, where he's mentioned having like, I don't know, upward of like a thousand, it could be more, I can't, I can't remember, like 600 grams to a thousand grams of carbohydrates per day, which is like crazy. Like I, I would struggle, I could, I'd struggle to get in three to 400, like, and that's me trying, you know, but again, that's relying on whole food sources. It's obviously a lot easier if you're having pancakes and, and whatnot and a lot of sugars, but yeah, I've tried, I've tried both over the years and, and, um, I definitely now like it's a lot higher fat. I don't have like, that's probably twice in the day I'll have carbs and that's like my post-workout meal, which might be like sweet potato and the, and the post-workout shake, which has fruit in it. And that's about it. Um, this may be like now this, this period of time, I'll have a little bit more like um, the pre-workout meal too. I'll have carbs. Never at breakfast. I never like having carbohydrates at breakfast. I always feel a little bit sluggish afterward. Um, but yeah, the, the fats are pretty high because like every day I'll have um, like 12 plus whole eggs. I'll have a pretty fatty cut of steak most days. Um, every now and then I'll have salmon, foods like that. So they're all they're all pretty high in fat. Okay. So you don't do any protein powders from what I've, heard right given your nah. yeah, yeah no protein powders no only because well i don't want to say only because but uh part of the reason is because a lot of what we get here in australia is coming from america so like things that are made in australia are probably a little bit more um legitimate in terms of like well the the, the testing and and uh the quality you know, control the, the quality control, yeah, that's what I would say is the standard is higher here than it is in America. And um, but a lot of a lot of I know what's made in America like doesn't necessarily I don't know about now, but I know it didn't have to be FDA approved. Not that that really means anything anyway, but um, it's 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 not it's not sort of stupid to say that what's written on the label, especially when you look at like the macro nutrient breakdown of these protein powders what's written on the label isn't necessarily what's inside you know there's been companies that have been caught out before in the past but i don't want to rely on that to be getting in like a quality source of protein especially when it's they make it impossible for you to go see where and how exactly these protein powders are made you know i've actually contacted supplement companies here in australia and and they will not let anyone you know, go to, because a lot of the time they're, they're outsourcing this stuff. So they, they, a lot of companies say made in Australia and they're actually not made. The powder itself isn't even made in Australia. So they just packet it here in Australia. And, and I've also been around people within that industry that um, sort of decide on the ingredients of the, the protein powders. And a lot of it comes from, um, you know, so you, you, it's, it's kind of like, when you're trying to purchase like apparel, you know, which is what I've been doing with, with my company. Yes. You're going through different supplies and things. And obviously you're trying to save on costs. Um, but the worst part about this, like the supplement industry is like the costs saved. Like they, uh, they almost don't care. They almost don't care how much of it is like filler and how much of it is actually quality ingredients. So 
just to save on costs, like it just becomes more and more filler than it is actually quality ingredients. And even then, they don't know. The people that are owning that own the supplement companies, they themselves don't actually know where exactly uh, their product is coming from or like where these particular ingredients are coming from. So they're all outsourced and then they just get packeted here and then the company themselves is just trusting what they've been told from other suppliers and then we, the consumer, are trusting the company who's trusting other, like it's, you know, this chain of, um, you know, processes that we'll never get to truly understand. So I'd rather just avoid it entirely and, you know, the best thing probably you could do is have your own chickens and have them, you know, lay eggs for you, which is actually, it's very cost effective. And I don't know why more people don't do it actually, but we're just reliant now on larger industries to do everything for us. But yeah, that's the best way you could possibly do it. Because at least then with the whole food sources, you know for certain that you're getting X amount grams of protein, X amount grams of carbohydrate. And then you're also getting the, um, the vitamin and mineral complexes that you're otherwise not getting in these protein powders. That's a great point and something to think about for sure because, yeah, unless you're physically there, and even then you don't know. Like if you go to the lab and see and just to be, you know, to know what it is you're buying essentially and putting mm. in your body, you don't know, right, at the end of the day. But you're right. If you do, I mean, you trust the farmers if they say grass-fed or whatnot. There's a level of trust, but you're at the end of the day, you're still getting that X amount of chicken or X, you know, you put it on the scale and that that's what it is. It's chicken. It's nothing else. Right. Uh, yeah. but you would, you would hope so anyways, you could taste it. Right. Yeah. But with powders, you're right. It's like, who knows what the fillers are there and how much protein you're actually getting. Yeah. That's, that's great points. Um, so post-workout, what do you typically consume? Is it like a chicken breast or some eggs or. Yeah. I'm immediately after, well, not immediately, but, um, once I get home, like I'll make a shake, which has usually like mango, banana, and um, like eggs or egg whites. And okay. then about an hour, probably within like an hour after that, I'll get hungry again. Then I'll have either like turkey mince or um, like definitely a leaner protein source or like white fish and something like asparagus and sweet potato, something pretty simple like that. Okay, awesome. So post workout, it's like fruits and you'll do the raw egg whites, you won't cook them, I assume you're just drinking the liquid. Yeah, it's raw. Yeah, yeah. That's a real Sylvester Stallone, especially if you're doing the whole eggs, right? You just crack them right in. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I used to like even like, when I'm like now when I'm not like actively trying to lose body fat, like I'll do upward of like six, six whole eggs in there. Post workout. Yeah. That's that's crazy. So that's like, uh, yeah, that's literally like the 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 vision that comes to mind is the Rocky scene where he's cracking the whole eggs <laughs> before he goes on the run, right? Um, yeah, but I I do blend that with the fruit, and it's still like people think of that, and it's I think it sounds disgusting, but you definitely have to try. Everyone that's ever tried it has never had a bad word to say about. It. They're actually pleasantly surprised. I mean, you don't have to do six whole eggs; right, you can right. just do egg, egg whites. Like you can buy the the cartoned egg whites or whatever it might be, but so you don't have to do six whole eggs, but um, I still, even with six, I don't taste the eggs at all. I can taste the the mango. As long as you, you do your fruit, like you freeze your fruit or at least the mango, it tastes yeah. nice. It tastes really nice. Wow. I'm gonna have to try that, man. I had never thought about yeah. doing that. You know, sometimes you get sucked into these marketing 
schemes, you know, where they talk about the post-workout window and, you know, you got to get the fast, the really fast absorbing protein. And so you think, okay, weight isolate and you get kind of sucked into that, that web. Right. But what's your, what's your take on the post-workout window? Like, I'm just curious because like, from my understanding, I mean, if you had a meal before and it had some fats and some carbs, I mean, you're still kind of digesting that. So how quickly do you need this really fast, fast absorbing uh, like you're having fats post-workout. So, I mean, that says something, right? It's not like you're avoiding all fats and you need like the super fast absorbing protein or anything like that. So. Yeah. That, that to me is also ironic that you get these, you get guys that are like, I mean, a lot of the guys too, that are promoting this usually take steroids and even then they're not in particularly fantastic shape, but they're, you know, there's a, there's a number of people I say guys and girls that are that swear by this sort of particular set of rules that you must follow in bodybuilding to achieve an optimal physique and, and not to sound conceited but uh more often than not you know i have more muscle mass or just in general like um more muscularity than the people that are sort of um promoting these ideals and uh i do almost in many cases the polar opposite of what they're suggesting you know you like you must have your way isolate post work it must be immediate and this kind of thing and i remember i remember it, it just sounds it, it might just be that um that i've always been a little bit like anti sort of establishment or or um you know anti-authority type of thing but i remember being on like it might have been like bodybuilding.com and they like they would this was years and years ago like maybe over 10 years ago and they'd post um you know they post or like pose these questions and people could answer them and then they'd select the best answers to win you know a protein powder and a shake whatever and I'd, I'd be reading through it you know had one on post-workout nutrition and what's the optimal time to get in the post-workout shake and what should be in the post-workout shake and all and the best answer that they selected was this guy that went on like what was like a 10 minute rant about you know having a combination of dextrose and whey isolate had to be whey isolate had to be <laughs> within this 15 minute window and i thought like oh i'm making good progress and i've never done that and it, it's like almost like you could see right through it it was one of those things that you read and it it was so easy for me to to pick up on it yeah like almost just disregard like it's almost like i wanted to do the opposite of that i thought so for ages, I didn't have any post-workout shake or anything. I'd just have a meal afterward. And I was making just as good progress then as I am making now, just as good progress then as when I was taking um, protein powders and stuff. Like there was a period of time I took all the supplements under the sun. Right. Um, and, and the difference, uh, actually, my physique improved once I stopped taking all the supplements. I was so worried for so long, you know, when I sort of made the decision, once I did my research on supplementation and specific supplement companies and i had contacted several supplement companies and because i saw on there you know these these were companies that were promoting their products as being made here in australia some of which were in new south wales like near sydney where i live so i had contacted them and i said i'd love to come and have a a look around and this sort of thing and they um some of them just never got back to like multiple attempts of attempts of me, you know, wanting to to see how the product was made. Um, some got back to me and just said it was basically an impossibility. 
which I just thought was strange. Like if there was, I, I always just thought if there's nothing, I mean, I understand it to an extent. If someone said, uh, hey, Joel, can I come see your, you know, your warehouse space where you stop all your apparel? I'd probably say, no, you weirdo, you know, but <laughs> yeah. but I couldn't find anything either. Like they were claiming that, you know, these are like in, in organic ingredients. Um, it was all made here in Australia. And I, I just, I want to know how it's made. And I think if you're, if you're um, advertising that, you definitely should at least, I don't know, at the very least make like a YouTube, put a YouTube video out, have a video on your website, you know, um, going into a little bit more depth um, within those kind of claims, regarding those claims. But um, yeah, so once I made the decision to get off like supplements completely and just see how my my physique reacted to like whole foods only, I was really worried. I really thought I'm going to lose so much muscle, um, you know, this and that. I, I really worried about it and and nothing happened. Actually, the, like I said, the only thing that did happen actually was that my physique improved. Wow. You know, it's really got me thinking now because I do, it's no secret, I, I take protein powder and, um, but you really have, you really have me thinking, you know, in terms of, so your post-workout meal is, is that typically always what you'll do is that the egg white with the uh or egg whole eggs with the fruit blended yeah so i'll do i'll do whole eggs with the fruit most of the year round and then when i'm really trying to get particularly lean then eventually i will reduce the quantity of eggs and then i'll eventually go to egg whites just to cut out like because like a lot of the a lot of the fat in in some way i wouldn't say it's unnecessary but um yeah when i'm when I am being more particular about like reducing the portions and yeah, calories, then, then I'll use egg whites. Right. Like contest prep, for example. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Right. But if you're trying to put on muscle, then you'll, you'll flip that. You'll, you'll throw in some whole eggs. Yeah. Yeah. Because right. I, I truly believe in, for lack of a better term, like the power of uh, cholesterol in, in food and, and fat and like that saturated fat in food and what that can do for the body and for training performance. Okay. So would, are your fats and carbs on a similar, I guess, amount per se in something like your muscle gaining period? We'll keep it to that for the listeners. So there's no confusion, but would you say your fats and carbs are on a similar amount or are you, do you typically mm. consume more fats than carbs? Yeah. More fats. Yeah. More fats. Okay. Wow. Definitely do. Okay. So, wow. Uh, okay. So there's the diet portion. I'm trying to think if there was uh, anything else I wanted to tap into there, but we talked about, so, and pre-workout, uh, how, how are you for pre-workout? What will you typically have? Just more curiosity. I used to have carbs pre-workout as well. And sometimes still I do, especially when I'm, I'm you know, I want to enjoy the meal a little bit more. I really like baked potato. So if I just want to enjoy the meal, then and I'm I'm you know going through a phase like I am now where I'm not so meticulous about like trying to lose body fat um, or trying to maintain a really low level of body fat, then I will have carbs pre workout. But I I tend to my training performance is um, I think improved when I don't have carbs pre workout. So just like if I just have like steak and asparagus something like that like i just like a a nice thick sort of fatty cut of steak pre-workout and i feel like i've got all the energy in the world i also notice too if i'm i feel like i'm lacking energy i'll have a steak and i feel phenomenal 
Right. You feel like you you can lift weight, basically. Like that's you have the I mean, energy to, yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I've, I've experienced a similar thing with red meat, just in general, pre-workout. Yeah. I had, those are some of my best workouts. Um, yeah. It's funny. You'd think you would stick with, like, I would stick with that, but then I keep going back to the sugar pre-workout, like the oatmeal with like a piece of dark chocolate. I don't know. It's a strange uh, dynamic. Your brain yeah. plays tricks on you. Right. But I, when I think back, like the best workouts I've had is when I have red meat pre-workout. So yeah. I might have to, go, I have to go back to that. I have to use some logic there, but with, um, Respect to your training, I want to tap into that, uh, Joel. Is uh, now you have your your ebook collection, right? That you put out. Uh, yeah. Is that typically what you essentially follow for yourself? Is that typically your routine, if you will? Yeah. So the 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 idea behind like making those was because when I did start to get some following, like I was getting a lot of questions, mostly about training. People care. Well, people. Mm-hmm tend to ask more questions about training than they do diet, I've noticed. It's kind of changed over time. But I thought, well, I'm just going to write all these ebooks up. And that's this is the way I train. And if you want to know how I train and you want to replicate that for whatever reason, like then you can just get a very affordable ebook. That was my, you know, idea behind that. Um but yeah, that is pretty much the way I train. Like most most body parts I'll do sort of like between 16 to 20 sets you know per body part per session and that might be like twice per week so it's pretty high volume at the moment the volume is probably not that high maybe like a maximum of sort of like 16 um 16 sets per per body part um something like back though like back will be 20 plus sets just because it's a and legs as well because they're larger muscle groups um but that's yeah it's pretty i think it's a pretty simplistic way of training you know it's not i'm not overcomplicating it is that uh per week or was that per workout and you hit everything twice a week yeah per workout and i hit everything twice a week yeah yeah so that's pretty high right for the average listener who's probably not doing that right so yeah that's there's gonna be there's gonna be some that say oh that's overtraining you shouldn't like i appreciate all the concern that everyone (laughs) that everyone's given me over the years but i'm doing just fine i think if you're you know, if you're eating the way I eat, and and I do also get a lot of rest. Um, my partner's quite supportive, uh, but I just try and get um, as many hours of sleep a night as possible. My daughter is actually pretty good as well. She'll she'll sleep for you know like some nights she has like you know between eight and ten hours of sleep. So if I can just get myself to bed at the same time as uh, at the same time she does, then I too am going to get eight to ten hours sleep. Right. So I think that's very. That's very important. Yeah, it's it's uh, it aligns with what you're doing. It's because she's a rel- she's got to be pretty young, I think, from the photo you put up recently, right? That's your daughter. Yeah, she's yeah, four. Yeah. yeah, four years old. Okay, so yeah. yeah, she's and she's exiting the stage of keeping you up at night. <laughs> yes, yes. She, she she hasn't in a long time. Like she doesn't wake up in the middle of the night anymore. So perfect. Still, she still might come into my bed, like you know. But it's fine. Yeah, but, yeah, um, yeah. I, uh, I think sleep is probably the most important part of like that recovery process. You know, you can. There's only so much you can do with nutrition, like especially post workout. But I think people don't place enough importance on sleep, and I think there's also like this, like it's a bit of like a, what would you call it? I don't know. 
like a lot of guys tend to compete with their their friends and and coworkers not not uh, whatnot with how little they can sleep and the fact that they got up at 3 a.m and you know, i got up at 3 a.m already done one session blah blah, blah and, and and that's great but you know you're training surely i think your training performance is not going to be maximized with such little sleep right how much sleep do you get nine nine hours would you say yeah, I feel like I need at least like nine to 10. I would yeah. love to get like 10 consistently. That's pretty hard, but that's what I feel like I need. And I think that's that's to support the amount of, not the amount of training, like the sessions aren't that long. I keep the rest periods pretty short, but for that type of volume and to do that twice a week, every week is definitely taxing on most people. Right. Are you still crushing the two-a-days? uh two sessions a day yes no not no i haven't been doing many okay so yeah that's another thing like that's kind of like one of those cards i mentioned earlier that i will play when when i'm you know trying to lose body fat and that's one right. way to increase intensity so as the as the volume increases so if i was to do you know say shoulders and arms and calves in the one session i kind of like to do calves on the right i don't like to do it with the rest of the leg session if I did that, all that together, that that would just be such an uh, an arduous session, just because of the the time it would take me to do all that. If I was doing, you know, sixteen plus sets for biceps, sixteen plus sets for triceps, and then the same, you know, for shoulders, and then maybe like I do ten or ten or something sets for for calves, like I'll be in there for hours. So once that the volume increases, then that's when I'll start to separate sessions. Okay. You know, I'll do like legs in the morning and, and chest. At the moment, like I could do chest and back together and I'm not in there for too long just because I'm reducing the, the quantity of sets. Okay. And that's because you're not, you're not necessarily prepping for a contest. So when you're prepping for a contest, your volume needs, or for you, what you do is your volume goes up. So you'll add more sets as you're prepping for a show. Yeah. So when I'm, okay. when I'm prepping for a show, one of the first things I'll do is increase the volume a little bit of the training and increase training intensity by incorporating things like drop sets and stuff. So the first that's the first thing I'll do is like basically increase training intensity in various ways and then later I'll add you know cardio and then later I'll add, you know I'll manipulate the diet a little bit but yeah I try not to just do everything at once because that's sort of a surefire way to hit a plateau and have your body start to fight against you. So when you're trying to put on muscle, your volume is actually less specifically because you feel that is actually better for growth, like to do less total sets. Is there a, a compensation there? Like, for example, maybe higher intensities of effort or what's your thought process there? Yeah, well, it's that's not always been the case, but okay. I wanted to, I'm just doing this at the moment. I wanted to try something a little bit different. So I'm actually focusing, I've never focused on sort of the weight I've lifted. I've, all, I've I am still a big believer in like getting the most out of the least amount of weight. Mm. So that, that could mean, you know, improving the range of motion, focusing more on the, you know, peak contraction and stretch, that kind of stuff, like um, slowing down the tempo um shortening the rest periods to increase intensity that kind of thing uh, but lately i have been wanting to you know improve my strength a little bit and see if that does 
um, contribute to muscle growth. So that's that's the only reason lately that I've reduced the the total uh, the volume a little bit, but I'm, I am increasing the weight lifted. So the intensity ah. is still there. Uh, and the, the rest periods still aren't very long. So the intensity is definitely there. It's like in many ways it's just as intense. It's just a slightly different style of intensity, different style of training. I understand. So basically you'll, as you're approaching the contest, maybe next time around the load might drop a bit, but the volume might go up. Is that kind of the idea there potentially? Because yeah. you're, you're you're essentially doing heavier loads now, which is why you might not be doing as many sets for example yeah yeah okay. yeah it's, it it may go that way it may also be like last time when i competed like some of my best lifts like the heaviest lifts happened in that comp prep period and i think just because i was hyper focused and i also i don't like the idea that you know you have to or you should be lessening the weight because like energy will go down but you know i believe in trying to maximize training performance in other ways. Like, again, like what I mentioned, like we'll just get more sleep, you know, mm -hmm. do what you need to do to maximize training performance every single session so that leading into a competition, you're not jeopardizing, you know, the, the training performance, thus jeopardizing the muscle that you got from that style of training. Like if you, if you start doing different, like if it's, if it's too drastic, like I know a lot of guys from, you know, that have competed in the past from gyms that I worked at that almost entirely like altered their their training style and performance because they got it in their head that, oh, because I'm having less calories, I can't lift as much and I, I can't train for as long. And so, you know, that you just sort of saw over time this sort of linear process of their training performance just dipping and dipping. And I also saw their muscle mass just sort of like their yeah, muscles just wilting away. And that's when they right. you start to look like, just a little bit sickly, like you've just lost everything you've gained. And then, you know, their rebound is just gaining that back. And so every time they compete, they make no progress just because it's this peaks and troughs thing. You know, they don't actually, they're not sort of making progress over time. It's just, oh, I'm, I'm losing strength and therefore I'm going to like lose the muscle that I gained while I was, you know, in my sort of like bulking phase or whatever. And they're just sort of getting skinny and then they gain it back. Like it's just a vicious cycle. So I'm just trying to, I try and avoid that. I try and avoid that mentality. Okay. So typically you're trying to keep your strength level the same, if not maybe increase that while you're cutting. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely did yeah. increase. Like I definitely, uh, and it's not to say like, um, I couldn't have done, you know, lifted the same weight before the, before the cut but i think it was again just because i was so hyper focused on like creating the best possible physique that i've ever created for myself so that's why a lot of the lifts improved during that period of time right right so do you typically do you hit one body part per workout is that your approach or style that you enjoy or are you doing the are you combining body parts for example chest and back together like you've mentioned actually you mentioned it Sorry, that's yeah. your jet lag, man. I'm like, it's like, uh, what time is it for me? Like, it's really, it's, I was in Europe, right? I was in the Netherlands. So oh, for right. me, I'm, in, I'm in Toronto now and I'm like, oh man, it's like six, it's like 5 a.m. or something. I have six, I've been, it's basically like I've been up all night. Um, So you have to excuse me, forgive me if I, uh, I'm thrown off that's a bit, good. but yeah. yeah. Um, So you combine um, body parts. Uh, Is that you? So the chest and back thing, that's you, you like combining the opposing, we'll call it quote unquote Sometimes. opposing muscle groups. 
Okay. Sometimes, yeah. So again, if like if I'm short on time or I'm trying to increase training intensity for that session, then yeah, I'll superset chest and back. I'll do something like that, or I'll superset uh, like um, biceps and triceps. But more often than not, I do like sort of honing in on just one muscle group and giving that one muscle group my sort of undivided attention. Um, so even like with that's why I do my split is say say if I started the split on Monday, it'd be like legs in the morning and chest at night, and then the next day would be like maybe just back by itself, or I'll do back in the morning and and shoulders at night, and the next day would just be like arms, and I'll do you know calves and abs in the evening, something like that. So I am trying to sort of separate them as as much as possible. I just I'm someone that just can't dedicate too much time and attention to like well it's it's more so like my attention under a particular amount of time like I, I don't want to spend hours in the gym but i don't mind coming back later for a second session because the you sort of like i sort of treat it like a, an, another day like your your ability to sort of provide that workout the same level of attention is sort of come back by the evening you know you in the one session for me at least it's it's a little bit too taxing to go like oh I've still got this much to do, you know. So if I separate it, I'll sort of have recovered by then, by the evening, and then I'm sort of ready to go and give that next muscle group the same level of, you know, intensity and energy and focus. Right. Well, that's typically what they, what a lot of the professional bodybuilders did back in the 70s, right? And maybe even a bit earlier. Well, obviously there was a period, I think, where it shifted from like, marathon workouts i think it was like three hour workouts full body like steve reeves era right and maybe even some of the off-season approaches that some of the golden era bodybuilders took like the four day splits where they were combining like it was like a double split routine i think it was like uh half the body one day the other half the next day and they would train like four maybe five days a week or something but the workouts were really long from what i read like i i wasn't there obviously but these are just what i'm reading so, yeah. but from what you're saying, obviously you're going to be able to provide way more focus and energy just to that body part. If you come back later, obviously not everybody can do that scheduling, dedication, grit, a certain amount of grit that you need to be able to withstand six, no, hold on 12 sessions a week. If, Cause you're, I'm assuming you're training twice, uh, oh, sorry, six days a week. Yeah. 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 Some, okay. some weeks, okay. some weeks every day, some weeks every day. So that's. There's a bit of a psychology, well, not a bit, a lot. There's a big psychology component there because people can mentally get burnt out with that approach, right? So, yeah. but for you, the ones, the the ones that don't genuinely enjoy it will definitely get burnt out. But the reason why I have no issue with it and that I'll always find time for is because I genuinely love training. So I want to go back. Like when I trained legs in the morning, I'm like, I, I you know, I've got a training partner at the moment, and he's very He's very similar to me in that like he's in that he's really caught the bug he's a young guy and he's just he can't wait to go back so for the people like that that you know where you say like you've just done this grueling leg session in the morning man i can't wait to come back and do chest those people won't get burnt out you know it doesn't right. matter what you sort of throw at them in regard to like training and nutrition like they love it and that's that's me and then there's a lot of people that are I feel like they're really trying to be someone that they're just not, you know, and they're like, mm. no, yeah, I'm going to compete this year. And like, like, dude, you've never really, you've not got a single month 
taking it that seriously, but they just liked the idea of like getting in this incredible shape and stepping on stage and, and all the rest of it without actually doing what's required of them. You know, they, it is definitely a lot of people have this mentality of just trying to like get the reward without having to do the same amount of work. And so th- right. those are also the same people that will say like, Joel, you know, couldn't have got this naturally because I, I tried it. I didn't look like that. You know, it's, mm. yeah, well, it's bogus. Yeah. It's bogus yeah. because again, it didn't work for someone who tried it, what, for like two weeks and then they got burnt out. Right. So there's so many things to break down there that it's uh, not even worth the attention when people say yeah. stuff like that. Cause it's, it's really uh stupidity in a way, because yeah, especially if that's what it actually is. People who are saying that if it's actually where, oh, I tried that and it didn't work or, you know, there's no way this guy's natural because he can handle that type of training. It's mm. like, do, do you hear the same thing about the people who do the, the? Uh, I'm not sure how familiar you are with this, Joel, but the like the, you know, how you have the two extremes where you have kind of what you're doing with, you know, higher volumes, twice a day training. And then you have the that Mike Menser kind of obsession with one all out set to like complete and utter failure that people think that they're doing and let's be honest nobody's doing that in the gym they just want an an excuse to just do one set like i'm sorry for those listening you're not doing that you're not like it's just not the thing that you're doing like 99 of the people listening are not doing that um and maybe there's a small percentage of like the really elite professional natural bodybuilders who look us who who have earned that because they look that way it's like it's no doubt that maybe they are doing that and even that's questionable. So uh, I don't know if you have something to add there, but I just think it's yeah. a fascinating topic, right? I do. I'd really love to give my unsolicited opinion on the uh, the, the hit training. Um, <laughs> there's not been, I, I say this with absolute confidence that there has not been a single person since Dorian Yates that is training in that fashion, mm. like not even that, and they don't even come close. And in saying that, the only two people that, that made you know, serious success of that type of training was Doran Yates and his predecessor, Mike Mensa, and I guess his brother, but they both took steroids and we don't know what steroids and we don't know what other drugs outside of that. So it's not to say that that style of training can't work, but people are so much more attracted to the lack of volume than they are the actual, the actual style of training. Like I said, we have not seen anyone since Dorian Yates train in that fashion and and i don't mean train doing such few sessions and such few sets i mean training to that level of intensity with such few sessions and such few sets and um i don't think we'll ever see it again because it's especially now when people are so consumed by you know tracking everything and counting their calories and, and and all the rest of it and especially for those guys that are natural, if you're training like that, like where, you know, you're only, what was it, maybe like training three times a week maximum and training or like trying to fit your workout in with such few sets, like it's not even enough to maintain like a low level of body, body fat. And I think that's why it sort of might work well for someone that is taking steroids or using some form of enhancements, but it's, I, I I just, I'm not the type of person to say like, oh, that's just definitely not going to work for some natural athletes, but I just, 
I wouldn't be surprised if it never does that style of training. And it's not to say you have to train as um, frequently as I do and get the same result. Like I know like my best mate and business partner, Brock doesn't train nearly as often as I do. And yet he still has a very similar physique to that of mine. And um, there's definitely been times where he's had more muscle mass than I have had, but it's, it's, Part of it is purely because I love, like I said before, like I love training. I want to go back. I can't wait to train again. So right. that's why I do it the way I do it. Also, I've just seen good results from that. And that's, again, why I say learn your body. Maybe it's not going to work for you doing what I do, but at least if you do try something, do it for a proper sort of six to eight-week period and give it 110%. Don't just sort of, you know, fart us around for two weeks and expect those expect some instant gratification and expect instant results like it's unfortunately going to take a lot of time yeah yeah and i think that scares people you know it's interesting because there's like you had mentioned where you 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 do have to experiment you have to go through a trial and error with this because there's probably a, a large portion of people who are attracted like you said to that hit style of training and wonder why they don't get results doing it uh because they're not they're not doing it. Like that's not what, so now you've just decreased your volume and you've decreased your effort essentially. So, and, and then you're wondering why you're not growing. Right. So, um, and the answer isn't more effort. Sometimes it's more practice, more sets, more volume. Right. And there's a reason why it's worked for, or it's put on muscle for a, more bodybuilders than it hasn't. Right. Um, yeah. I don't know. That's my, that's my take on that. And I've been back and forth. I've tried both ends and yeah, it's just, uh, it's one of those things where you ha- you have the people that say, oh, if you're natural, you can't handle high volume. Oh, if you're natural, you can't handle high intensity. It's like, mm-hmm. so which one, where do you go? Where does the natural guy go? And uh, well, then you're going to have to figure out which end of the extreme you, you lie essentially. And based on what you said, uh, what you enjoy too, right? Like what's going to keep you coming back to the gym? I think that's also important because like you said, yeah. you have guys who... They, they just don't enjoy it, right? At the end of the day, like they, they're trying to be someone that they're not. Like, for example, yeah. the person who tried the six days per week and yeah. failed, epic fail, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but uh, to talk more about this. So with the failure thing, I'm curious, do you have to watch a little bit how you approach your training effort? Are you like, you know, again, I, from what I'm hearing, it doesn't sound like you're the type who has like a logbook and you're writing down the amount of reps that you're doing. And you you're, you kind of are more of an artist, it seems like with this, especially with the whole, uh, just your image that you've put out there, the old school, the film, everything. But yeah, maybe you want to elaborate with uh, how you approach training to failure. And if that's something you're concerned about, because obviously you have the volume thing that you're, you're more prioritizing, I would say. Yeah. To, Right. So do you want to talk a little bit about that though? Yeah, I should say I, I do train to failure. So the last, so say I do, you know, there might be a total of 20 sets, but a lot of those sets, the majority of those sets are sort of, um, I mean, what I would call warm up sets. They would still be very mm. hard for a lot of people. Like when people, I think, watch me train um, or train with me and they're, they're, they're there ready to spot me. I'm like, no, it's okay. This is like, it's still a warm up set. You know, I've done like maybe three warm up sets. A lot of people just get straight into, they just go pick up, like they'll do something like this 
Yeah, yeah, they they don't actually warm up on the exercise they're about to perform, which is then taking the body and like body mechanics through a completely different motion and they don't warm up on that. They just think doing some like, I don't know, mumbo jumbo and then picking up like the heaviest possible weight they can, say for a bench press or whatever, is like the answer. And like that's that's their idea of like a working set or a set to failure. But I think if you if you're really trying to achieve failure, you've got to sort of work your way up to that, to that set, that sort of all that set of failure. So I would do like upward of sort of three or four sort of warm-up sets, and then it's one or two sets to failure. That last set definitely being to like all that failure, which I, I think I do mention in like the training videos I put up on YouTube. I mentioned that. Yes, um, you got you have. Yep. Yeah. From what I've watched. I guess for, for your viewers, yeah, that's what I that's definitely what I do. Um and I am, although I'm not, again, meticulous about writing everything down, I've never had a logbook, I've never journaled my my training sessions. I do have a very good memory. And I remember almost exactly what I do the previous session. So say if I, I train chest, I do remember the weight I lifted and everything. I'm I'm And I'm somewhat conscious of that. But again, it's I'm not so fixated on like progressive overload in terms of just trying to lift more weight over time because that to me doesn't make a lot of sense because – it's you can only go so far with that. It's like if if that was the answer, that's why I don't believe that there's like a di- direct correlation between weight lifted and muscle obtained or acquired. Because if that was the case, everyone would be lifting a thousand kilos. That was like, you know, on the Olympia stage, and vice versa. Everyone that was really skinny would be lifting next to nothing, and that's not true at all. There's a lot of guys that are a lot smaller than me, a lot less muscular lifting a lot more than me and and lifting it with good form because that's a lot of that's neuromuscular it's not it's not again directly it's not going to um directly contribute to muscle growth so there's other things at play there that people tend to be ignoring but i am conscious of the weight lifted i'm i'm conscious of what i did the previous session and what i try and do is just at least on say one exercise say if it's like i did dips for chest um, and I did just body weight and I did it, you know, five sets of 15 reps. I'll try and just at least improve on one set. So if I did 15 reps on my last set, the previous session, I'll try and get, you know, 17 or 20, or I'll do it like weighted. I'll add 10 kilos, mm. like wrap 10 kilos around my waist on a belt, something like that. Something where I, I can Im- make very small improvements but it's not necessarily going to be just increasing the weight or i'll even just slow the tempo down um i'll reduce the rest periods something like that where the intensity does improve um but again it's well i shouldn't say again but over time it's it's not like it's always going to improve there's going to be peaks and troughs and that sort of thing but uh, a lot of how i train is uh, is is on how i feel I'm glad you brought that up. And it's interesting to me because with it just reminded me of the high intensity thing we're talking about training to failure, because uh, there could be a lot of pressure put on someone too. And I brought this up before on the podcast, but I think it's worth mentioning again, where if you are, you have to do this one set, and that's the only set for the day for that body part or exercise. That, that can elicit a lot of anxiety and maybe anxiety that's unnecessary for your actual goal, which is uh, muscle growth, if that is your goal, right? Um, yeah. So it's interesting how you can go down this path where you're maybe self-sabotaging yourself 
uh, and you know, you, it doesn't have to be that way. My question mm-hmm. to you is, is do you go into the gym with any form of anxiety? And it doesn't sound like it because you're in there so often, but where you're, you know, you have to do this exercise with this much weight and you have to beat it today. Or like, is there any form of that? I'd like, I'm so curious. No. And I, I do think that's purely because I don't give a shit about how much weight I'm lifting. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, again, it's all, it's, it's always about how can I get the most out of the least amount of weight? Whereas uh, like, I know a lot of guys that their goal is to, it's funny to me that their goal is to gain muscle, but they're training much like a power lifter or a weight lifter would train. And, um, and I think those are the guys that should take Lee Haney's advice and sort of leave the egos at the door and, mm. um, you know, and, and, and ask yourself, what is it that you, you want to be? Is it that you want to be uh, a bodybuilder or a weightlifter? You know, and I, I don't care about being a weightlifter. It's, it doesn't really, I know like people talk about functionality and stuff like, well, trust me, I'm stronger than the average man, but it's not an end goal to to you know go to the beach take my shirt off and and yell out yeah okay i don't look great but i can i can lift 300 kilos like i don't i don't care about that there's never going to be a moment um in life where um that's any of those like lifts at that amount of weight is going to be necessary outside of the gym so instead of jeopardizing your you know your um your joints and ligaments uh instead of jeopardizing your your you know muscles by potentially like tearing them like doing ridiculous amounts of weight you know ask yourself what your actual goal is if your goal is just to gain a bit more muscle then i think it is probably time you start focusing on getting more out of less weight seeing what you can do with less weight before you start you know potentially injuring yourself Right, right. And of course, I'm sure that, like you mentioned, there's time and place to maybe add when you feel like you've exhausted all the other avenues, right? Like Uh, you mentioned with the dip, Uh, with the dipping belt, right? It's like, okay, maybe you've exhausted the, let's slow down the negative. Let's add a pause here. Let's, you know, increase the reps and, 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 you know, versus let me just add more load. And especially when it's an exercise, that's maybe higher risk too, right? So like a deadlift or a, maybe a dip, right? Where maybe you want to exhaust the other variables first. And then the last thing you do when you've tapped out on all those, then you could add load. That's what I'm gathering from what you're mentioning. Yes, 100%. Yeah. If you, okay. Obviously, if you're doing anywhere sort of between 50 to 20 reps and comfortably, then increase the weight. But I guess my what I'm trying to say is there. it's not like – progressive overload in terms of just increasing the weight you're lifting over time is is not the answer to gaining muscle there is so much more to it and i would even argue that it has very little to do with the weight lifted you know as frank zane said the the muscle doesn't know how much you're lifting it it only knows how it feels it knows like the stress that it's being put under so if you can find ways which most people can find ways to stress the muscle with less weight, then absolutely you should be doing that because at least then you're not jeopardizing your joints and ligaments. Right. And I'm just going to add this because I thought you mentioned this earlier where you've had guys who are way strong, like not way stronger. I don't want to put it this way, but who are stronger than you in the gym or are lifting more, we'll say maybe not necessarily stronger, 
because that's an expression of a performance that maybe you can lift more. You're just choosing not to, right? But who are lifting more and do not look more muscular. And I've seen it too myself in the gym. So where a guy's deadlifting like four or 500 pounds, but they're really, they do not carry a lot of muscle mass and less than the person who's never touched that before. So it's fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah. 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 So it says something right there, but uh, Joel, I want to be so respectful of your time. I want to thank you so much for coming on, Joel. For the listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. Joel, I'm going to link your Instagram in the description so people can find you more than muscle, your YouTube channel. Is there anywhere else specific? No, no, just just my personal page and more than muscle. Perfect. And folks, make sure to check those links out. Check out at Longevity Muscle YouTube channel. Share the episode. Tag us. You're going to hear from us again, specifically me, definitely Joel, in a future episode in the next few weeks. Thank you so much. And until next time. 